Resurrection Day, the Feast of First Fruits. This is something that is laden with a lot of tradition and things that we need to kind of refresh our memory as to what the real celebration is about. And that it is not in churchianity or ritual or fine robes or particular days or even particular feasts and the food we eat. It has to do with God's promise, God's love and care for the people of the world, of every generation. So when we use words that are Christian words, the world doesn't understand. They hear words like Easter, Good Friday, Christmas, other celebrations that to them is so mystical. But to us who have gotten into the word and cleared our spirits and our hearts and our minds, it's not about celebration in a particular way. It's about a person. And it's the person of Jesus Christ whom we love and worship and we are so thankful that he has cared for every aspect of our lives from birth to death and heaven in the future. That's our Lord. That is the one who knows us best and can provide for us the best, our good shepherd, as we sang. I don't know whether you can see the title of our message today. It's a question that I think the Lord will ask of all of us this morning, I trust. Do you love me? I want us to think very deeply about that question. First of all, who is asking this question? We need to know. After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and he manifested himself in this way. Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus, remember we talked about him, what's his name mean? means twin. And his name Thomas also means twin. Isn't that amazing? Twin, twin. And Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee. And the sons of Zebedee, who were they? Sons of thunder. And their names would be James and John. And two others of his disciples were together. And we really don't know, I don't think, who they were. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They, they said to him, we will also come with you. Oh, great. Peter's thinking, now I've got these newbies that know nothing about a boat and about fishing. But come on, guys. Okay, we'll all go together. That, that's not written in the Bible. They went out and got into the boat. And that night... They caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, Children, you do not have any fish, 
do you? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you will find a catch. So they cast, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 100 yards away, dragging the net full of fish. So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and a fish placed on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Let's pray. Father, we pray that uh, these words, this story, this encounter would open our eyes and we would see you clearly and we would know where we are in our heart with you. Pray for the work of the Holy Spirit in these words. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you love me? That is a very searching question. Katie often asks me that question. (laughs) Just checking. Yeah. (laughs) You probably had reason to. That is a good question. We might think it is, uh, well, of course I do. When I stop loving you, I'll let you know. (laughs) But we need to renew our love for each other. In a husband and wife relationship, in a child-parent relationship, in a church member-to-member relationship. And I think there's a secret here that we need to see my first point is on going fishing. I'll tell you lots about that. Second point, Jesus is the Lord. Third is 
Jesus is the host. He's the one who has invited us to come to breakfast. And then fourth point on love and calling. Okay, on going fishing, you know, this was probably Peter's third time to be in the presence of the resurrected Lord. The other disciples, probably it was their second. Remember, Peter had a private occasion when Jesus revealed himself to him. There's one little sentence in the Bible that says, Jesus showed himself to the disciples and to Peter. We need to remember that the Lord remembers us. And Peter is a good example for us to think in terms of relationship that we have with the Lord. His character was, I think, he was a rugged man. He was a professional fisherman. And there's several things in this story that tell us that he was a professional fisherman. But it had been several weeks now since Jesus had been crucified and buried. And again, he appears on the shore. And they didn't recognize him. Peter had returned to Galilee. He had obligations. You know, I don't know whether he went on and off his job as he had a part-time job while he was also a disciple of Jesus. But I think that there was a length of time where Peter had left his nets and had followed Jesus, left the boat. That's a big deal for a fisherman. That is a big deal. Peter was a professional. He knew fishing. We don't know really what was going on in his mind. But one of the things that God was working in his heart was that God had made man for work. I think that's an important thing for us to remember. Now, I'm not talking just about man as in male, but women also were made for work. But in particular, for really helping guys to really do it right. And whether you're married or not, it doesn't really matter in the whole scope of what work is all about. Women are incredible. And you provide so much just by your beauty, just by who you are, and just by the fact that every guy needs a someone, a woman, to help him, whether it's his little sister or his big sister or his mother or maybe his wife. We guys tend to be somewhat, well, let me qualify that, we're independent. And we go in a beeline, particularly when we have something in mind of work or a project or a fishing trip. We just get one-mindedness. Man was made for work. Genesis 2.15 says, Then the Lord God took man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. Work is a gift from God. Work is not a curse from God. Look at your job, every one of us. Look at the job. Even the kids. Making your bed is from God. 
Yes. Washing your mom's dishes or drying them is from God. Isn't it fun when you get a job done and you stand back, whoo, those glasses really sparkle. Oh, wow. That room really looks nice. Peter was a fisherman. Matthew 4, 18 to 20. Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Jesus knew what draw there was in fishing. Peter was also still a disciple, even though he had denied Jesus three times, said, I do not know him. He spoke that to a young girl who was saying, aren't you one of them? And he cursed and said, no, I'm not. Jesus asked them a question, and it's kind of a curious question, verse 5 of John 21. Children, you don't have any fish, do you? They answered him, no. You know what it's like to fish all night and not have any fish? Anybody had that experience? I have. It wasn't dark. In fact, it was bright sunlight all night long. Guess where I was? I was in Alaska. And we'd just flown into a, a little river. And it was teeming with fish. But they wouldn't bite a bit. And we fished all night. It was discouraging. And then we flew out of there empty-handed. Well, no, wait a minute. One of the guys did catch a fish. I didn't. That's the bad part of the story. <laughs> but when we landed, it was a float plane. We landed on the river, but we didn't see a big rock in the middle of the river. And the pontoon hit the rock and blew a big hole in the pontoon so that the plane went down. We just about flipped over. But we were safe on the river, and we got to the shore. So the plane was like this, full of water on that one float. The one fish that we caught, very large fish, we pulled the plane up onto the shore and tried to fix the float. We put a big fish down on the bottom of that float. It's a compartment. With the metal peeled back, we pushed the metal down and put a fish down on top of it and then a stick on top of the fish to force that fish to hold the float so that we could get out of there. We were way out in the boonies, about an hour out of Anchorage, nobody around. And we took off and got out of there with that fish. So see, fish are better than food sometimes. That was God that really preserved us. Jesus says, children, you don't have any fish, do you? Why did Jesus use that word children? Okay, kids, you didn't catch any fish tonight, did you? <laughs> it wasn't like that. 
That word, I had the privilege yesterday of having a Greek scholar sitting at our table, and I said, I've got one question for you. What does Jesus mean when he uses the word children? They weren't kids. Peter is an experienced fisherman. Jesus is not a fisherman. And he's saying, you don't have any fish, do you? Children. What did he mean? Well, that, that particular Greek word is not childish. It's not kiddish. But what it is, is it's a teacher to a student. It's like saying, student or pupil, you don't have any fish, do you? So Jesus was just taking that position of being the Lord to instruct them again on how to fish. He wasn't putting them down, but he was teaching them something in the process that he had something to show them. They answered, no. Cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat and you will find a catch. So they cast and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Does anyone here know what the right-hand side of the boat is called? Starboard. Where does starboard come from? That word, starboard, starboard, stirboard, stir, stirring board, steering board, starboard. Starboard is the right-hand side. It comes from a way in which on a sailing boat, you have the sail, like the boat that we had up there, but there's a long oar paddle that is hooked to the side of the boat. And that's what they steer with. To steer as the wind is blowing them. They steer with that paddle in the water. Steering board. This was, and it's still even used today, by the way. But after about the first century, rudders were invented that were put right in the back of the boat and along the end of the keel so that you could just have both sides free to work off of. It wasn't a steering board or on the starboard side. What is the left-hand side of a boat called? Port. Why port? What does port mean? Port means the dock where you're going into port. And so with a boat for centuries and centuries, you always docked with the left side or the port side, and you steered on the starboard side. But Jesus tells them, put your net on the starboard side. You got the picture, they're throwing out this net, but here's the starboard, the steering board. It's in the way. It's dangerous. You'll get your net caught in that, particularly if it's a large pile of fish. Three summers, I fished in Alaska commercially. That's how I earned my way through college. You don't want anything around your net that'll get tangled into it. But 
Jesus said, throw it on the right-hand side. Why? Well, simply enough, there was fish there. He is the Lord. Peter was still a disciple. Jesus is the Lord. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, and that was John, by the way, said to Peter, it is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. I love this guy, Peter. He is an incredible guy. You know what he's thinking. You know you don't know what he's going to do. (laughs) That was Peter. He stripped like down to a sumo wrestler. Picture that. He just cast the net. Now they're trying to pull it in. And John says, it's the Lord. So Peter drops the net gets his outer garment, puts it on, and what does he do? Throws himself into the water. That's Peter. All enthusiasm. You know where his heart was? Do you know what that says about his heart? It's the Lord. It's the Lord. Peter's heart was still after the Lord. That was the relationship He desired more than anything. To me, that explains a lot. Jesus is the host. And so when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of large fish, 153 And although there were so many, the net was not torn. I also looked in the commentary, and you can too, when you get home. Why was there a count of 153 fish? Some of the church fathers say, well, it was because 100 means perfect number, and 5 means another number, and 3 means another number. I don't think so. I was a professional fisherman. For three summers, we always counted our fish. They were big salmon, and we had a a fork that we would throw them up into the tender that came alongside, or we went alongside them, whatever the situation, and we emptied our fish onto that tender. And there was a man with a clicker standing there counting the fish as they came off of our boat. I knew every time what the count of my day was in my catch. That's simple. 153 that day. Okay? Nothing spiritual about that. Other than the fact that Peter was a professional fisherman. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus came, took the bread. Oh, uh, someday we probably in heaven will we be having communion. I'd love to see how Jesus broke the bread. It, It would be recognizable. I'm sure 
If that happens in heaven, we'll say, ah, it's the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. Now this is the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples as he was raised from the dead. Okay, this is our main point. Love and calling. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Do you love me more than these? What does more than these mean? Well, more than these guys, do you love me more? You threw yourself into the sea and you came to me. The rest of the guys just came in the boat, little boat up to the shore. Peter was incredibly enthusiastic about meeting Jesus, his Lord. It could also be, do you love me more than fishing? I think you know that I don't consider myself a preacher. I love home meetings and small groups, but I don't love preaching in front of people. You, you think, what? No, it's true. You can ask Katie. I don't consider myself a preacher. I don't think Peter did either. But wait till week after next when we find out what Peter did as a preacher. No, that's right. I'm not preaching here. I'm preaching upstairs. But he was an incredible preacher. Probably even better than Paul, by the way. Really? Do you love me more than these guys? Peter said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my lambs. Take care of the small ones. Take care of the weak ones. Feed them. Guard them. Teach them. Lead them. Deuteronomy 6, 4-7 Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children or your sons. Jesus again asks them a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter said to him, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Shepherd my sheep. That's our calling. We who are leaders, we who know Jesus, we who have just come to know him in an intimate way and become a follower, Jesus is passing on to us the care of the sheep, of those that have just come to the Lord Jesus. Ezekiel 34, 1 and 2 has a warning. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, this is Ezekiel, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding themselves Should not the shepherds feed the flock? Those words should sink into our hearts. We who know Jesus Christ 
shouldn't we also be sharing with others? That is on the heart of our master. That is why he has brought us to himself. That is our legacy. That is our job. If we don't, who will? If we don't share Jesus with those in our family, with those in our neighborhood, at work, who will? Who will? He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? Peter said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend or take care of my sheep. That is a word for every one of us who know Jesus Christ. That should be our life's call. More than fishing, more than any other thing that you can do and you're a professional at it, you've been trained. This is our calling. Let's uh, just bow in prayer. Father, we thank you. Thank you for Jesus, who came and walked as a man, showed us the way to the Father, was able to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh, who overcame the flesh, overcame sin for us as a man. We thank you for the truth of Jesus Christ. And we celebrate that truth. Lord, may we be as, as Peter, so anxious to be next to you that it doesn't matter whether we're sopping wet, that we really want to be near you. We want to fellowship with you. And it grieves our hearts that we have many times denied you. We love you, Lord. We love you.